the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Coming to the close of our look at the Lord's Prayer today on Abounding Grace. Join us. Today marks the beginning of our final look at the Lord's Prayer. Now, it is the final message in the series, but not the final message in the series. What we're saying is, is we've got one final look encompassing today and tomorrow's broadcast on the Lord's Prayer. And then throughout the rest of the week, we want to focus on the certainty of answered prayer. It's the follow-up to Luke 11, verses 5 through 13 specifically. That's where we're headed this week. So won't you join us? Here now with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace, Pastor Gary Wagner. Beloved, this series has been an enjoyable and life-changing experience for me. As I have studied commentaries, read great books on the Lord's Prayer, and listened to many, many wonderful sermons by other pastors. And I truly hope that it's been a time of learning for you and a time of you examining your own prayer life. Listen to John Calvin's eloquent words pertaining to the Lord's Prayer taking from the Institutes of the Christian Religion. Calvin's section in the Institutes on Prayer was for me one of the finest and most enlightening things that I have ever read on the subject of prayer. And he said here, If the prayer of our text had been dictated by the Lord Jesus himself, not been dictated by the Lord Jesus himself, we might think it too bold. Can it ever be that this earth, a mere drop of a bucket, should touch the great sea of life and light above and not be lost in it? Can it remain earth and yet be made like to heaven? Will it not lose its individuality in the process? This earth is subject to vanity, Dimmed with ignorance, defiled with sin, furrowed with sorrow. Can holiness dwell in it as in heaven? Our divine instructor would not teach us to pray for impossibilities. He puts such petitions into our mouths as can be heard and answered. Yet certainly, this is a great prayer. It has the hue of the infinite about it. Can earth be turned to the harmonies of heaven? Has not this poor planet drifted too far away to be reduced to order and harmonies of heaven? Has not this poor planet drifted too far away to be reduced to order and made to keep rank with heaven? Is it not swathed in mist too dense to be removed? Can its grave clothes be loosened? Can thy will, O God, be done in earth as it is in heaven? It can be, and it must be. 
for a prayer wrought in the soul by the Holy Spirit is ever the shadow of a coming blessing. And he that taught us to pray after this manner did not mock us with vain words. It is a brave prayer which only heaven-born faith can utter. Yet it is not the offspring of presumption. For presumption never longs for the will of the Lord to be perfectly performed. Calvin is telling us that because this is a prayer that Jesus, the second person of the Holy Trinity, God himself has taught us to pray. That if we pray it with sincere hearts of faith, we can be certain that God will answer. And I love the way he says, only those of a heaven-born faith may utter these prayers with any expectancy of getting an answer. For an unbeliever, these words are nothing more than vain babbling. Now last week we ended by looking at the first two purposes for the conclusion of the Lord's Prayer, which I, of course, took from the Westminster Larger Catechism question 196. And today we'll begin looking at the third purpose for the conclusion taken from the Shorter Catechism, question and answer 107, which is that the Lord's Prayer teaches us to take encouragement in prayer from God alone. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Amen. The first purpose is that it teaches us to join argument with our petitions. In other words, we are to show to God from His Word alone why we expect Him to answer our prayer. The second purpose is that it teaches us to join praise to our petitions. The Lord's Prayer begins and ends with words of adoration and praise as an example of how we should always pray. Adoration is what prayer is all about. We come to God in prayer because we trust Him and have the faith that He will answer our requests if we ask in accordance to His Word. And because of that, we speak words of praise and adoration to Him, for He indeed is a great and loving God. And third, we pray the conclusion of the Lord's Prayer because it encourages us to pray, because we know that we are a part of His kingdom, all-powerful and all-glorious. It reminds us that God, who is sovereign and omnipotent and all-glorious, is fully able and willing to help us and answer our prayers. He's not only willing, beloved, He is able Paul says in Ephesians 3, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. In fact, God is more willing to help his people than we are even to ask for his help. Jesus said, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you for everyone. Who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it shall be opened. Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by your son for a fish. Will he not give him a snake instead of a fish? Will he? 
Or is he, or if he is asked for an egg, will he not, will he not give him a scorpion? Will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? You see, this conclusion is an encouragement to pray. It reminds us that God is able to answer our prayers, and He is willing to answer our prayers. If we put our faith in His Word, we will be emboldened. That is, encouraged and strengthened to plead with him that he would help us. And quietly, as our confession says, to rely on him that he will fulfill our request. Let me give you an example of a prayer of confidence in the Lord because of who God is and what he's revealed about himself. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 20 and I'll read verses 5 through 12. Prayer of confidence. Here's an example of a believer who was encouraged to pray to God that he will help him as he quietly relies upon him. Now, I want you to see what Jehovah, Jehoshaphat's request is here. If you remember last week, there was no request. This week, there is, but you've got to listen carefully. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And he said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in the heavens? Are you not ruler over all the kingdoms of thy nations? Power and might are in your hands so that no one can stand before you. Did you not, O our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? And they lived in it and built you a sanctuary, therefore your name, saying, Should evil come upon us, the sword or judgment or pestilence or famine, we will stand before this house, for your name is in this house, and cry to you in our distress, and you will hear and deliver us. And now, behold, the sons of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you did not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, and they turned aside from them and did not destroy them. Behold how they are rewarding us by coming to drive us out from possession, which you have given us as an inheritance. O oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we are powerless before this great multitude who are coming against us. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. What a great prayer. Understand the context in what was just read. King Jehoshaphat of Judah sees the enemy approaching. A vast alliance of armies, Moabites, Ammonites, soldiers from Mount Seir. And they are on their way to Jerusalem. And Jehoshaphat is standing and praying confidently that God would come to their aid. Now notice what he's not saying. Jehoshaphat doesn't stand there in the middle of the congregation and say, O oh Lord, protect us from this multitude of armies. He is standing there in the house of God, and he is praying, adoring God. He is adoring God. 
There's an army right on the threshold of Jerusalem, and Jehoshaphat is adoring God. He doesn't stand there saying, God, protect us. He is addressing God, telling God things about Him that He adores. Stephen will like this. This is one of my favorite stories in history. And it's about the Christian victory over the Turkish Muslims at the Battle of Malta in about 1565. And if you want to know more about this story, there's a great book about it called The Siege that I definitely recommend to you. 300 Christian knights held off tens of tens of thousands of Turkish Muslims coming in hundreds and hundreds of ships to the little island of Malta. And beloved, the reason you are not a Muslim today is because Christians won that battle. 300 knights with a few peasants were victorious. The leaders of the knights was a man by the name of Lafayette. He was their general, so to speak, and he was about 70 years old. And that was pretty old back then. He would often be found leading his men in worship. When he was leading his men in worship one day in the temple, all of a sudden, these hundreds and hundreds of ships were sighted off the coast of Malta. Messengers interrupted the service, telling Lafayette the battle was begun. Lafayette said, my prayer is not yet over. We haven't finished worshiping God. We haven't finished adoring the Almighty. And none of the men raised from their knees until Lafayette's prayer was over. Then they went out to battle. And in just a few days, they had the Muslims in retreat with their tails between their legs. The point is, that is what Jehoshaphat did. Here the enemy soldiers were just on the horizon, and Jehoshaphat stands his ground worshiping God, adoring him, and he says to God, I know you are willing to help, Lord, because you are the God of our fathers. I know you are able to do it because you are the God of heaven, and you rule over the kings of the nations. You have power and might in your hands. So no one can stand before you. Then he asked God for something in one word. Did you see his request? Behold. That is all he said. Behold, Lord, you are God, and we know you are willing to help us. You're the God of the nations. You are able to help us. All we ask you to do is just look at what our enemies are preparing to do. Just behold the situation. We are your people, and they are out to assault us. Lord God, your reputation is at stake. Just look. Jehoshaphat was convinced that if God would just look, he would immediately come to the rescue and deliver them. And he did. Let me give you another example. Turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 14, verses 9 through 13. This is quite a story. Here's another example of a man 
King Asa of Judah. Believing that Jehovah is everything that he has revealed himself to be. So by faith, he quietly relies upon God to fulfill all of his requests. Second Chronicles 14, 9 through 13. And if you think the situation with Jehoshaphat was bad, wait until you hear this. And there came out against them Zerah the Ethiopian and a host of thousands of thousands. That's a million. And 300 chariots and came unto Morasha. And then Asa went out against him. And they set the battle in array in the valley of Zephathah and Morasha. And Asa cried unto the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on thee, and in thy name we go against this multitude. O Lord, thou art our God, let not man prevail against thee. So the Lord smote the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. And Asa and the people that were with him pursued them unto Gerar, and the Ethiopians were overthrown that they could not recover themselves, for they were destroyed before the Lord and before his host, and they carried away very much spoil. So Asa is looking at an army coming toward them with a million soldiers. He takes his little Israelite army and draws it up in battle formation. And before one arrow is shot, Asa prays. The first thing he prays is a word of adoration. Lord, there is no one beside you to help in the battle. So help us, O Lord. Notice how he describes the battle. He said in verse 11, There is no one beside you to help in the battle between the powerful and those who have no strength. That's an interesting way to describe the battle between the Ethiopians and the Israelites. Lord, this battle between the powerful Ethiopians, a million of them, and this weak little ragtag army of Israelites. Now, if an ordinary man who knew nothing of prayer or, who, or even who God is were to say that or even think that, it would drive him to terror. Here are one million men, one of the biggest, most powerful armies ever gathered. And here is a weak, pathetic band of soldiers from Israel in battle formation in this valley. And yet that didn't discourage Asa at all. Because he said, Lord, we cry out for you to help us because our trust is in you. We trust that you are willing to help us. We know that you are able to help us. So teach these Ethiopians that you are God. And do not let men prevail against you. So the Lord answered their prayer. And routed the Ethiopians. Now there's a very important point here. And that is, this battle was won before even one shot was fired. This battle was won before one single shot was fired. And you know, that's the way most battles and struggles are in your life. 
They are won or lost before the battle even begins. When did Asa and the enemies of Judah win this battle with the Ethiopians? They won when Asa prayed. And it hadn't even started yet. So when you face the various battles and struggles in your life, and you have your confidence in the living God, and you quietly rely on Him and trust in Him, that He will fulfill your request as long as they are based upon His Word, you will win whatever battles or end whatever struggles you have to face before they even begin. But if you don't pray, and you aren't trusting in the Lord, and are instead trusting in yourself or someone else, you will lose the battle before you even fire the first shot. Well, there we have the conclusion of the Lord's Prayer. Right? For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Is that the finish? No, there's actually another word we need to look at. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We're taught to put an amen at the conclusion of our prayers to the Lord. And our catechism says that the reason that amen is added at the end of the Lord's Prayer is to testify to our desire and our assurance. That is, when we say amen to the Lord's Prayer or any prayer, we are testifying that we have prayed, that what we have prayed is the sincere desire of our hearts and that we are assured that God will answer or grant our petition since Jesus himself places those petitions in our hearts and in our minds. That's why the Bible says that God will give you whatever you ask for if you pray according to His revealed will in Scripture. We are to take the promises revealed in His Word and turn them, beloved, into request for ourselves. And God will answer those prayers when we put our faith in Him. And we make His Word the source, not only of our arguments as we talked about last week, but the source of all of our requests and our petitions. So when you say amen, you are saying, Lord, I really mean what I just said. I wasn't saying something to try and impress you or other people with how spiritual I am. This really expresses the desires of my heart. And I am confident and certain that you will answer my prayer according to your will. And insofar as it is consistent with what you have taught me in Holy Scripture. The word amen is used a great deal in the Bible, as I'm sure you know. And it comes from a word meaning to strengthen. It's used in various places in the Old Testament, and, but it's used time and time again in the New Testament. And if you have a King James Version... You've probably even read the word without even knowing it in some cases. Because in the King James Version, amen in Greek is many times translated verily. As when Jesus says, verily, verily, I say unto you. He is saying, amen, 
Amen. I say unto you, making this sentence doubly emphatic. Paul often uses the word amen in his epistles, such as in 2 Corinthians 1.20, where he says, For as many as may be the promises of God in Christ, they are yes. Wherefore also by him is our amen to the glory of God through us. So our amen to God's promises is the echo of Christ's yes to those promises that he's given us. Well, that's all the time we have. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. It is our goal and desire that you would abound in grace through the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And that is why we come to you on a daily basis. Now, as we close out our time together, we also realize that some of these messages that are presented here on Abounding Grace are well worth reviewing again at your convenience. Maybe you joined us a bit late. Well, we have copies on CD. They're just $5. Mention today's date as you call or write to us. Here's how to get in touch with us. The phone number is 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're welcome to also visit our website, learn a bit more about us. We're at reformedheritage.org. Again, reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, if you would love to partner with us, if you're feeling led of the Lord to become a financial partner with us as we continue this ministry here on this station, please write to us at PMB number 402. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, The zip code is 95032. Or, again, simply call us, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to join us for worship. Sunday services here at Reformed Heritage Church are at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. We meet at the Lone Hill Church, 2 in the afternoon. Directions can be found at reformedheritage.org or by, again, calling 408 Eight six six five six zero seven. We thank you for joining us and trust we'll see you again next time we get together for another broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Mm-hmm.